right, welcome back to the Audible. Kim Bocamper, John Conjemi with here. Let me remind you that the Audible is presented by AutoNation, America's largest and most recognized automotive retailer. You can save on 100,000 vehicles right now at AutoNation.com. And remember, you can watch the Audible every Saturday night at 7.30. You can catch it on WFOR, CBS4 TV, and download it, or you can download your podcast from all your favorite streaming platforms and MiamiDolphins.com. But, uh, but John, first, let's take a look back at uh, at the Dolphins' final game of the season. And we do that presented by Morgan & Morgan Law. Opportunity going into a Buffalo Orchard Park with an opportunity win, and you're in the playoffs, and felt pretty good about it. And, John, it just seemed like it was one of those games where the Dolphins were kind of stuck in the mud. Uh, the Bills were, were running on high octane, and, and, and it just felt like this team couldn't get out of the blocks. Well, you know what, Bo, if I was going to write a script for the game, I would have started it exactly the way it did start. You know, the Miami Dolphins get a turnover. They cut the field in half. uh, They go down and don't get a touchdown, but they they score points. So you're able to get some early momentum. And Buffalo really didn't get it going until probably the second quarter when they uh, put together back-to-back plays that really get them into scoring position. And it's only when they change the field position with their special teams. You know, the Miami Dolphins – had a punt inside their two-yard line, couldn't generate a first down, and that really changed the dynamic of the football game. And as you said, from there on, it was the Buffalo Bills onslaught. It was offense, defense, special teams that uh, really caught fire and, and changed the, the, the outcome of the game. Yeah, and the, you know, it, uh, uh, moving on a little further, the punt return for the touchdown, uh, you know, that, that just kind of spelled the end of it to me. That, that was, you know, you're kind of getting too out far to reach. And, and I've got to say this, John. Um, we're going to talk about the Dolphins' season a little bit and, and what they've accomplished this season, which I think is is remarkable. But, John, I, I think we had the opportunity on Sunday to see one of the really great football teams in the National Football League right now in the Buffalo Bills. You know, they're, they're not – you know, they're, they're, they're still a blue-collar, kind of grinded-out football team. But when you put a Stephon Diggs in there and, and, and you know, you, uh, you, you Josh Allen and, and you get that running game going the way they had it, you know, their, their, their offense and defensive line is solid. Their secondary is, is, is outstanding. Uh, they're, they're, you know, their, their skill players are good and, and they play special teams. And, and, and boy, I tell you, what a, what a football team, what a, what a, what a yardstick that the Dolphins had an opportunity to see in the last game to see where they need to get to next season. Well, I think Sean McDermott has put together a football team, a, a gritty football team. And it starts with their quarterback. He can make every throw on the field. He's athletic enough to break tackles and move the chains with his legs. And I don't even think, you know, Bo, during the week, I mentioned Isaiah McKenzie's name one time. He accounted for three touchdowns. It's an afterthought, you know, because you have Diggs on the outside. You have John Brown. You know, you have a two-headed monster in the backfield with Singletary and Moss. And they both get it done the exact same way with with hard work, determination, they can catch it out of the backfield. And then you go to the defensive side. They'll take the football away from you. Uh, they'll create sacks. They'll create opportunities in field position for their offense. And then their special teams is very good with punting uh, all day. They were keeping the Dolphins on a long field after the second quarter. And uh, with a return guy uh, that can take it the distance, like the Dolphins special teams unit saw on Sunday. So it's a complete team, and it's going to be one that should go far in the playoffs. Yeah. John, let's talk a little bit about Tua, his game, um, you know, put some numbers up, uh, but he had to throw the ball over 50 times 
to get to those numbers, three three takeaways. I think it's the first time in his career, uh, probably call, certainly college and in, uh, in the pros, where he's had uh, three interceptions in a football game, and and it kind of leaves you. You kind of leave with a you know a, a taste in your mouth that you're not sure if it's uh, you're not sure if it's honey or you're not sure if it's a Tabasco. You know, right now, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and it could go either way. I think I think I'm I'm leaning more towards honey, but. Uh, well, I'll tell you, it's uh, you know, you you would like to leave this season feeling a lot better about your quarterback position than I think a lot of people are right now. Well, you leave with a question mark, and I, and I think that's the biggest uh, probably problem with the Dolphins moving forward is what do they do either around Tua to make him better, to accentuate the positives that you've seen all season long. And, and or do you add to the position? Do you create more competition at the position? And, and I think Tua has done a, a pretty good job of coming in. I thought you made a good point uh, on Sunday show in WFOR when we were talking in the fifth quarter about Tua probably spent his entire offseason just being able to get healthy enough to go and practice, right. just being healthy enough to figure out if he could really do it or not, where other guys were practicing, uh, you know, throwing – 12-yard outs on timing, their RPOs, you know, getting into shape, not just trying to get into shape that you can feel like you can get through a practice. Uh, so I, I think the second year, we've seen a lot of Dolphin players make their huge jump from year one to year two. It happens not only with the Miami Dolphins, around the National Football League. But I think Tua will make it a significant jump. And I'd like to see, you know, whatever offense he's in next year, if it's the same offense, get a little bit more creative and get a little bit more daring from the start of the game instead of waiting to figure it out in the third quarter and maybe push the football down the field and, and let him sink or swim by doing that. And I think when you have the governor or when you have a play calling, that's a little bit more protective or cautious early in the game, uh, it gets defenses to sit on routes and it doesn't open up any room for a young quarterback to kind of peek through and make it easier for him. Yeah, I, I agree with it. No, and whoever it is, uh, you, you like to see that a little more. But there was a lot of good things out of this football team, John. And we've talked about it over the last month or so. You know, I, I thought I, – I really thought that this football team that we saw this year would be the team we would see next year from a matter of growth. I thought I thought this team far, far outdistanced expectations going into this season. Um, and, 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 again, John, you, you look back and – and, and start going, start doing check marks over the two-year guys, the second-year guys. Van Ginkle, did he get better? Yeah, he got better. Um, a lot better. On the list, Christian Wilkins, did he get better? Check. He got better. And go back to the guys, you know, three years, you know, from three years ago that that got better from year one to year two. And and you know, I, I'm a believer in this football team and in this staff that not only are they good, a good coach, good coaches week to week, but they're they're a, they're a good a good staff that develops their players and makes them better from year one to year two, John, I've, I've seen, and we've both seen over the years where they go out and get some guy and you've got him and you go, you know what, this guy's been here four years and he's the same guy he was when he walked into the door in year one, hasn't gotten any better. Hasn't given you more production. Sometimes they've gone backwards. And, and I think that trend is, is, is over, which is a, which is an, a very, very important thing for a young football team such as this. 
Well, I like your list. You know, when you talk about Van Ginkle and you talk about Wilkins, you can throw Miles Gaskin in there. You know, he was a kind of an afterthought last year. Uh, he ranked ninth in the NFL from yards from scrimmage with almost 100 yards per game. So th these are guys that have gotten better, that have taken those big steps from year one to year two. And I think Preston Williams would have been one of those guys had he not got the foot injury, you know, middle of the season. He would have been able to take that big jump from year one to year two because that was a, a viable weapon that this offense missed. So there's a lot of the guys, you know, Nick Needham, you know, starting all these games at Nickelback when the Dolphins really were a nickel base defense. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's a lot of guys in this defense that, and offense and on special teams that took jumps in their own personal career that added to a, a 10 and six Miami Dolphin team. So it does provide excitement for Dolphin fans uh, that they were hoping to see this jump from year two to year three. They got it a little sooner. Now let's see if they can build on that and go into the playoffs uh, places that we want to go in year three. Now it's time for our sit down amplified by Hard Rock Hotel. And today we've got uh, Andrew Van Ginkle and John, we talked about guys a little bit ago, guys getting better from year one to year two. Well, there's no better example than Andrew Van Ginkle. Missed a lot of his first year with some injuries. Came in late. You saw some things out of him. Boy, in this year, he's uh, certainly made his presence felt on this defense. Done a lot of good things for himself and for this football team. He's become a, a pass rusher for you. He can set the edge, plays the run well, can, uh, can cover in passing, in the passing situation. So, Dolphins got themselves a nice little find there coming out of Wisconsin a couple of years ago. Yeah, they get position flexibility out of him as well. You know, you move him around from defensive end to linebacker. He tackles well in space. We saw him uh, all season long harass opposing quarterbacks. So Andrew's been one of those guys that it's been fun to watch. You, you know, you mentioned Christian Wilkins because he's in the middle of that defense. But on the edge, it was always Ogba and Lawson. And then all of a sudden, Andrew Van Ginkle made his presence known, and it was fun to watch him uh, – tally those sacks against opposing quarterbacks. Yeah, Wilkins, Wilkins giving you the high energy inside and Van Ginkle giving it to you outside. Yeah, it was fun to watch. That, that's for sure. And I think it's two players, and especially Andrew, that we're going to have a lot of fun watching for years to come because I think both those guys are going to be Dolphins for multiple years. All right, let's hear what he had to say. Happy to be joined by Miami Dolphins linebacker Andrew Van Ginkle. And Andrew, I know that the season, the game at Buffalo didn't end the way you guys wanted it to end. Uh, you're one game short at 10 and six, but 10 and six uh, usually gets you in. Looking back at the season, what was your overall interpretation of what you felt as a player going in and out of a, what must have been a crazy season with COVID-19 and the way you guys practiced and met uh, your overall thoughts on the season? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I'm just glad that we got through a season and um, coming off the year, my rookie year, being able to see improvements in both my game and then us as a team. Um, you know, there's a lot to be excited for. And, and um, obviously the loss um, yesterday was a tough one. And um, it's just something that we, we can look back in the future and um, really use that to our advantage. And I, I know it's fresh in your mind right now, but that is something to build on. You know, we were looking, Bo and I, earlier in the show about guys that have made a jump from year one to year two. And you're one of those guys. I mean, you, your number of sacks, your number of tackles, your, uh, the scoop and score, a lot of the things that you did in year two uh, really opened up some eyes. Did it open up your eyes to, you know, maybe lift the ceiling on where you think you can be as a player? Yeah. For sure. Uh, just um, going out there and doing the best I can and coming to work 
and putting all the hard work I did in the off season and then throughout training camp and throughout this year, just seeing the fruits of my labor really paying off. Um, and yeah, you know, Coach Flores always talks about the one to two year jump. And um, I just feel like, you know, if we can keep it going and everybody on our team can have that, um, it's something that we can build off of. You know, as a group, the linebackers really had a sensational year. The, the whole defense in its entirety had a great season. But the linebackers in particular, you guys set a franchise first as, as three linebackers, Baker, Van Noy, Van Ginkle. You guys all had at least five sacks, and that's a Miami Dolphins first. Take us through your camaraderie and how you guys played off of each other this year. Yeah, for sure. I think it's just everybody coming in and putting the work in and the extra time to get better. And, um, you know, it's something that we all strive to do. And it's one of our goals at the beginning of the year to um, come out with a ton of sacks and um, really make game-changing plays. And that's something that um, we did. And somebody else agrees with that, too. <laughs> yeah. <for sure. laughs> hey, hey, Andrew, fun. lastly – uh, lastly, I want to ask you about your defensive coordinator and Josh Boyer. It was his first year as the defensive coordinator. You guys uh, really found your way to the quarterback, 41 team sacks. You had a 22-game streak of, of takeaways, 29 takeaways in the season. And it, it just felt like the defense set the tone. Uh, did he set the tone for you guys at the top? For sure. Uh, that's um, week in and week out that he always preached, um, getting the ball and taking it away. Um, Cause obviously that leads to points. And um, when you're plus one, plus two, or even plus three, like your chances of winning go way up the, um, the higher the margin is. So um, it's something that we preach and talk about every Saturday night before a game is taking the ball away and um, giving the ball to our offense in plus territory or even scoring ourselves. Well, that's the way you ended the season, you know, in Buffalo first quarter, you get a takeaway. Uh, with an interception, it leads to points, and that happened a lot this season. And I know that that's something that you guys on that side of the football want to keep building on as we look forward now and we fast forward to 2021 in the season. But congratulations uh, individually and collectively, Andrew, on a terrific season and uh, can't wait to, to get it started again next season. I wish we were still playing as you do, but uh, good luck in the offseason, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Now it's time to go behind enemy lines presented by AutoNation, where Dolphin fans can sell their vehicles for cash now. Visit AutoNation.com. And uh, unfortunately, John, we don't have an opponent this week that we can go behind enemy lines, but we can kind of look back uh, at, uh, at 2020 for the Miami Dolphins and, and look at some things, some numbers, John, that I think people going into this season would have been uh, shocked uh, to see the Dolphins come up with these numbers. But Dolphins end the season with 10 wins. 23rd time in team history that Dolphins have won more than 10 games. First time since 2016. How about this one? Miami recorded takeaways in all 16 games this season. They have a 22-game winning streak, longest active streak in NFL history, and in the NFL right now, tied for the longest mark in franchise history. I think the last time that the Dolphins, uh, uh, the highest Dolphin uh, uh, takeaways, 42 uh, consecutive games with takeaways ended in 1985. So uh, not quite the team record, but certainly um, something that was very, very important to this football team. And I think certainly when we saw um, Byron, uh, Byron Jones get healthy and get into the lineup, uh, it, it opened up a lot of things defensively. Um, you know, the blitz package you could throw out there really became very creative, but also I think the ability to take the ball away. Uh, obviously, you look at uh, 
You look at X with 10, what's he got? 10, he ended up with 10. That's right. 10 interceptions and, and everybody else across the board and, uh, and, and all the takeaways. It was a very opportunistic defense that Josh Boyer put on the field. Well, it led the Miami Dolphins to those 10 wins. You know, this football team was nine and three in their last 12 football games, and it was led by the defense. You mentioned the 22 game takeaway streak, they had 29 takeaways this season, uh, they had 41 sacks as a football team. They didn't come close to those numbers if you had the last couple seasons together. And I think that's where it starts on defense. They created pressure off the edge. I thought Emmanuel Ogba did an unbelievable job of pressuring the quarterback. He had nine sacks on the season. I thought Lawson did a great job on the other side. And you know what? The, the linebacking core of Baker, Van Noy, and Van Ginkle all yeah. averaged or, or all at least tallied five and a half sacks with Baker getting seven of those sacks. So you mentioned, you know, Xavier Howard with 10 interceptions. He was the takeaway man in the secondary. This was an opportunistic defense that took advantage and really provided the Miami Dolphins offense with excellent field position if they didn't score themselves. So it, it was a fun defense to watch, and it was an exciting team on that side of the football. Yeah, Dolphins, 29 takeaways, teams most since 2008 when they have 30. You had a 66-point differential in the large uh, uh, differential point margin for the Dolphins, the largest since the Dolphins had it, 77 in 2002. So numbers there that 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 allowed uh, that there were you know those are joint enough for numbers where the you know defense steps up and does their chore, but the offense goes out and 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 does uh, does what they had to do. They average 339 yards a game this season on offense and uh, so you know the offense started churning and and it was a it was a mixed offense I mean look at Fitz Fitz for the year was 18 for two you know really their numbers are fairly close Fitz 183 for uh, completions uh, 267 attempts 2091 yards 13 touchdowns eight interceptions to a 186 out of 290 18 14 yards 11 touchdowns and five interceptions and John, I think when you look at both of those quarterbacks, um, they, they 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 both gave you a lot of good play this season. And and look, there was some that maybe wasn't so good. There was some with a little more pedestrian. Uh, but you saw a lot of good things come out of both of those guys. I think the most important thing, Bo, was both quarterbacks gave you a chance to win. They played winning football. They didn't throw the football away. I mean. You look at the three interceptions that Tua had against Buffalo the last game of the season, you know, you had a tip pass, you have a receiver fall down, you have unfortunate things happen to you. But all season, I thought the guys, you know, for the most part, protected the football and they did a good job of taking the field position that the defense and special teams provided and then getting points. And I think at the end of that, you know, both quarterbacks drove the football in the red zone, in the end zone. They didn't have to settle for a lot of chip shot field goals because I think Jason Sanders was a compliment to the offense. This is a guy that had, uh, you know, 20 field goals of 40 plus. That was the most in the national football league. So they were, they were on the fringe of the red zone and outside the red zone. When the dolphins were able to get into the red zone, they were able to score touchdowns. They were able to throw passes into the end zone to do it. So I think both quarterbacks were really efficient in the red zone. And I think Jason complimented that offense from the fringe. Yeah. And the running back by committee, Really throughout the entire season, you know, you came in and uh, you thought it was going to be a you know a couple of free agents you brought in, and they didn't they didn't they didn't hold the baton very long, and so it went back to some of the guys that that you you had for a while. And you look at the Miles Gaskin, probably the you know the the guy that really took the 
you know, took the opportunity and, and, and made it his own. You know, we missed some games with injuries, but uh, he ended up with 584 yards, 142 attempts. Uh, pass, you know, became a good pass catcher for you out of the backfield. Did a lot of good things. Ahmed came in late, his old roommate uh, up in Washington. He had 319 yards on 75 carries. And then with the other guys uh, uh, contributing, uh, I, think, I think the running game, John, got better as the season went on. We started to see whether it was just Gaskin or, or Ahmed or whoever it was or whatever combination of running backs be able to get a little more yardage and, and give you a little more help uh, when, it, when it came to that aspect of the game. I think as the young offensive line matured, the running backs got better. And I think they were able to find more creases in the running game. And especially from the middle to the end of the season, I thought Miles Gaskin, you know, he was put on the shelf with an injury. Then he was on COVID-19 list. Then he came back and he had fresh legs and went crazy against the Raiders. I thought Ahmed was a good bridge for the Miami Dolphins. I think uh, Savon did an excellent job of providing quickness and speed and elusiveness and breaking tackles and doing the things you need to do as a running back in the National Football League. So it was a, a nice one-two punch for the Miami Dolphins. I, I think if you switch numbers, you probably couldn't tell uh, which running back was in the football game because they complemented each other and they were really a carbon copy of what the other one really did well. And I think probably you'd have to favor Miles with the pass catching because he got more opportunities, but they both gave you a one-two punch out of that backfield with speed, good vision, and good acceleration. Yeah, they sure did. And uh, on the receiving side, uh, you know, no, no surprise here. You look at Devontae Parker, 63 catches, uh, 793 yards. Mike Gusecki, 53, 703 yards. And, and both of those guys, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I think both those guys left a lot on the field too. You know, I, I think there were some balls that were, were catchable uh, by both of them. And, and, and you know, the, and guys missed games, and they missed a couple games <clears throat> along the way. Uh, Parker probably more than Gusecki. And Gusecki, I think, you know, and one thing about Gusecki, uh, you know, he, he, he took a beating late in the season. Uh, and, and, and as soon as he was able to get back, came back and played. And, and I thought I'd, he did a pretty yeoman's-like work coming back uh, with, with the kind of injuries because I know he was hurting in the, his shoulder. Uh, you know, last last couple opportunities he had, but he got in and played. So, but 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 John, I think I think when you look at those two guys and and you look at their numbers and, and they're the best numbers that we've got, but then you start looking at like Stefan Diggs, 120 something catches. You know, those guys with 80, 90 catches. Uh, you know, I think for this team to be where they want to be going forward, John, um, you, you've got to have those guys. You've got to have a guy that's broaching 100. 100 catches. You got to have a tight end that's sitting there at about 80 catches uh, in the season. Or, 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 you know, and look, again, I'm saying a guy, you know, I don't care if you've got three tight ends that give you 100 catches. It's 100 catches out of the tight end position. And, you know, for the, for the receiving position, you like to see a lot more than that for the wide receiver position. But um, the point I'm making is those two guys did a nice job this year. Gasecki, a really nice job this year. Parker gave you a, a lot of good plays, but um, we need to see more out of that position as a whole, at least in my mind. Well, I, I, let me start at wide receiver, and I do agree with that. I think Devontae Parker is – you're going to get the best out of Devontae Parker when you feed him the football. And he got the football uh, most of the season on those 50-50 opportunities down the field. Came down with a lot of them. I, I think you're right. I think uh, not only did – he leaves some out on the football field, but Mike might have too. But I think the collection of tight ends, when you add in Shaheen and Smythe, 
to what Mike did. I think that's probably the strength of the passing game for the Miami Dolphins, the way the offense was run with a lot of those RPOs going out quickly to the tight ends. I think you got a lot of run after catch. You got a lot of good red zone, tough catches, and you got a lot of touchdown production out of the tight end position. So I would think the Dolphins moving forward, when you take a look at you did around the league and you see the gaudy numbers uh, of some of these premier wide receivers, I don't think we have one on the roster right now that, that compares to maybe the top 10 or 15 that are out there. So the job of, of the organization is to go get those guys via free agency or via the draft to be able to get on par with the weapons that are around the National Football League on these high-octane offenses. Now, that's no slight on what's on the roster, but I do think there's a big room for improvement in terms of, of talent, in terms of being able to get yards after first contact, being able to take those five and 10 yard plays and turn them into 80 yard touchdowns. We've seen that around the league and I think they are out there. And I think that's where the Miami Dolphins will invest some of their draft capital and some of their dollars this off season. Time now for X's and Bows. And John, let's kind of let's kind of take a look back and, and look forward a little bit uh, with this football team. First of all, let's kind of go through the, uh, let's go through the, the playoffs, week one of the playoffs. And then let's talk a little bit about the Dolphins and we talk about draft capital and, and free agency and the money they've got to spend. Let's get into that a little bit after we touch on these uh, these games. Uh, the first game up, John, the Colts and the Bills. Um, I tell you, I haven't seen the Bills. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a letdown in that football team. Haven't had a playoff game in, uh, in that building in, in a long, long time. I know they're going to let some fans in there, about 6,500 fans into Orchard Park. They're going to probably sound like 65,000 fans. And I don't think the Colts have a snowball's chance in Orchard Park of, uh, of winning that football game. I, th I think the way they're evaluating to get into the stadium, they're going to have a battle royale out in the parking lot. Whoever survives uh, gets a ticket into the game because those fans will be uh, really craving to go watch their bills at home against the Colts team that I don't know if they have enough, but they have a running game. And, yeah. and it'd be interesting to see, you know, who can control the football, who can, get the upper hand early. And if, if Buffalo plays the way they did against the Dolphins in terms of execution, it's going to be a tough day for Indianapolis to come in and play outdoors when you haven't done it in a while. So uh, it'll be, it'll favor the bills early. I would think. Yep. Rams are at the Seahawks, uh, Buccaneers in Washington. Uh, I tell you, Washington, what a, you, you got, I tell you, you, you got to, Got to give them a lot of credit. There, one, no one gave that football team an opportunity uh, with the Haskins and the problems they had at the quarterback spot. Um, you know, with your head coach going through uh, chemotherapy, Ron Rivera. What a remarkable guy he is. I've known him for a long time, and uh, you know, and, and just taking that football team, the quarterback position with Alex Smith, all the things with that franchise, the name, everything, for them to get in the playoffs, John. Probably one of the more remarkable things I've seen in quite a while. And you're right. And to be in the playoffs at seven and nine and have to battle through all the adversity they did on and off the field uh, and they get Tom Brady and the Bucks as a reward, you know, at, at home. So uh, the one thing Washington can do is they can affect the quarterback. Yeah. They've got a couple pass rushers that can get after the quarterback. And if they can do that, I think they can stay in the game. If they don't, I don't know if they can win a track meet uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even though they're home and, and with the Rams, I don't know if Jared Goff's going to play yeah. uh, with that yeah. thumb injury. So, you know, Seattle's at home, they're 12 win team. Uh, they can, 
they haven't been as dynamic as they were early in the season offensively, but they have been better defensively. But they can score points if they're on. So I like Seattle in that one. Ravens and the Texans in that one. That may be the, the most hotly contested game that's on the slate. Bears and Saints. Surprised the Bears got in there, and, but good for them. Good for them and their fans. And then Browns and Steelers. I don't think that Browns-Steeler game is going to be much like the Steeler game that we saw this last week. So that's the lineup for the first week, wild card weekend. It's great. Three, three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. What's better than that, John? Nothing. I, I think I'm going to uh, plan my dinner Sunday around the Chicago Saints game <laughs> and try to rest up for the Cleveland-Pittsburgh game at night. There you go. And hey, let's take a look ahead now. Dolphins, uh, uh, you know, pretty remarkable. You, 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 you have a 10-6 and six season, I think, which certainly I think eclipsed most people's expectations of this football team. And what do you get for it? Hey, you got the third pick in the draft. So you pretty got good. the third pick in the draft. You've got – I think what's what are they got to 29 or 30 somewhere down there to the bottom but you got another first round pick you got two picks in the in the second round and uh well I tell you John if you uh, if you make four good picks right there um that could really change the complexion of this entire franchise well it can and it really can do it in a hurry uh, with the way that college football and the top athletes coming out can really adapt to the national football league so quickly. And it's really a, a mirror of what the NFL is doing now in college with, with the offenses and defenses and what coaches are asking those players to do. You get the third pick in the draft and, and you may even get higher than what you're talking about. It might be around 18, I think is the second first round pick. So you're going to have two premier athletes at probably at skill positions that you can come in and play right away. So uh, the Dolphins are going to have two other uh, second-round picks, and they're going to be able to load up in the first half of that draft come April. And I'm excited to see, uh, you know, what we get, what we're thinking, uh, what side of the football those four picks are on, and, and come in and expect those guys to play right away. So it's so, so the Dolphins have three and 18 in the first round. Uh, so two pretty good, pretty good picks in that first round, and then you're two second. But I, look, I'm 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 this. If you can, if, if we can, we can walk away from <coughs> the first two days of the draft with wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, and offensive lineman in whatever order, whatever order they show up in. Mm -hmm. I'd be a pretty happy guy at that point. And then after that, then go, then then do all your other draft choices, and and I'm gonna trust you on those. <laughs> You just want to shop. You want to go. You want to go to Whole Foods. You don't want to go anywhere else, Bo. Right? No, you just want to do the first and second Foods. round. You just give me. Just, let's get. Let's, <laughs> let's, just go in, let's get in the express lane and grab those two receivers, a running back, and I'll say, "Hey, we'll see you guys later on." You can shoot the rest <laughs> of the stuff in my house. <laughs> I like your thinking, Bo. I really do. I want to see a couple wide receivers yeah. in the draft. You know, maybe we get one in free agency that solidifies it, and you double up with somewhere in the first and second round with another wide receiver. But somewhere along the line, you'd like to see him at a running back. You'd like to see maybe at a pass rusher and, and maybe another offensive lineman just to give you that, that depth that you're looking for. But uh, I agree. I, I think you need to get explosive, dynamic playmakers with you know three out of those first four picks. And if you need to go uh, offensive, defensive line, even if you need to get another pass rusher with one of those picks, I'm all on board because that's the way the game's going. 
Just get a just get a number one receiver. Let's get a number one receiver. That's right. There. A real a real live one. We haven't had a real live one around here uh, in a long time. Hey, John, that's going to do it for us today. Always a pleasure. It's been a it's been an up and down season. It's been a remarkable season. And, and I think even though the Dolphins didn't uh, didn't make their way into the playoffs, I think everyone every Dolphin fan would have to say it's been a pretty pretty successful season. Yeah, ten wins on a team that you weren't sure how many you you're going to have to get to your second hand to count the wins this year. And not many times do you get 10 wins and you're looking outside at the playoffs. So I think that, you know, the future is very bright for the Miami Dolphins. And we're really excited to see what this organization can build upon the foundation they built over the last two years with Brian Flores and see where they go in year number three. And we'll be with you guys during the off season. We'll keep you up to date on everything that goes on with the Miami Dolphins. So the team may be done playing right now, but John and I, well, we're going to keep playing every week as we go on through the off season. So uh, that's going to do it for the Audible. Remember, the Audible is presented by AutoNation, America's largest and most recognized automotive retailer. You can save on 100,000 vehicles now at AutoNation.com. And you can watch the Audible every Saturday night at 7.30 p.m. You can catch it on WFR, CBS4 Miami. And you can download the podcast from all your favorite streaming platforms and MiamiDolphins.com. For John Kajemi, I'm Kim Bocamper. We'll see you next week. Stay safe and have a good one.